This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier. It is Tuesday morning, and you know what that means. I am joined by the great cousin, Sal. Sal, great to see you, man. Happy Super Bowl. I mean, it's great to see you. I don't know why you're so smiley. You're supposed to be depressed like me. It's only been a day, and already I'm very upset. But I'm glad to see you were able to shake it off, Tate. Well, you know why I'm excited, Sal, because it's officially college basketball season. You know, I'm a college basketball guy from Tobacco Road deep down in my soul. So as soon as the, the calendar turns to the next chapter, I get excited okay. for college basketball. So I didn't that, know that about you. I didn't know. I just thought <laughs> yeah. you like to play this one game over under and you, you threw football around. But okay, that is that is my second favorite game, not my first favorite <laughs> game. But uh, we'll talk about it all. Uh, there's a lot that's happening. We just saw the Super Bowl happening on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon if you're out here in Los Angeles. But Sal, first of foremost how was radio row you were doing some you were doing the lord's work out there trying to make fun of a, a setup that is not so fun i don't know about that but yeah we have uh we have a great booker here uh her name is allison here at yeah, the Ringer, she's the and she set us up um i got to interview uh josh allen i was playing games i arm wrestled carrot top uh you know uh baker mayfield Max Crosby, they were all there. Uh, it's great. It's a great place to be. Why weren't you out there? I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know what was happening. Maybe they were getting ready for college basketball season. Okay. I, oh, I had to watch Caitlin Clark try to break the record. That was what, what was going on with me, Sal. But, uh, you know, well, I we miss- missed you out there. It was a good time. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go New Orleans next year. We'll be even better uh, without you. Yes, <laughs> sign, me, sign me up, maybe. We'll see about that. Let's talk about this game, Sal, because we saw some history. The second overtime game in Super Bowl history, the last time we saw it, 28-3, New England, Atlanta. Kyle Shanahan obviously involved in that game as well. This game, five ties and uh, lead changes in the second half and in overtime, the most in Super Bowl history. We also saw seven field goals in this game, which was the mm-hmm. most in Super Bowl history, including the longest field goal in Super Bowl history. Can we give some love to the kickers real fast, Sal? How impressed were you by the special team? in this game yeah I thought we were going to be able to give the ultimate love to the kickers or one of the kickers for uh, imagine if they had co-MVP just kickers um, there (laughs) Moody and Butker but yes this was a weird game you know it became exciting and it got to overtime and I'm like wow even as an overtime game this isn't one of the top 10 Super Bowls I've ever seen because it was so 
slow starting. It was only 13-10 heading into the fourth quarter. Not much to speak of offensively. Both running backs had fumbled, so I kind of ruled them out, even though McCaffrey uh, scored both starting running backs for Pacheco and McCaffrey. So I ruled them out for MVP. Juwan Jennings had a touchdown pass and a touchdown reception, but you know the voters are going to do whatever they can to not go for Juwan Jennings. I was thinking would go for a kicker, like you mentioned, 55-yarder, a 57-yard bomb. It made sense uh, right there. If Look, if you have 19 points and 12 of them are by field goals and one of them is a 57-yarder, it should have probably gone to Butker. But then it really all added up, right? Mahomes, he was plus 150 to win MVP. And then he went out there, he tore it up close to 400 yards, as you said, combined. And look, he's the reason everybody bet the Chiefs out of those who bet the Chiefs. And it showed why. There's no question about it. He was the reason. They did it eight for eight in that overtime drive. Yeah, and I feel like this game, you mentioned the slow start. It kind of stalled out in the first quarter. Our guy, Tony Romo, when he doesn't have offense, he almost feels like he's disgusted. You know, he's like, oh, I just want to get to some offense. Uh, We get three straight three and outs from the 49ers in the second half, and then it felt like the game started to open up a little bit. And Patrick Mahomes, as you said, 34-46 in this one, 399 total yards, two touchdowns, and his third Super Bowl MVP, which leads to the sports shows out there, Sal, saying that he's the Michael Jordan of football, and they're talking about him in the GOAT conversation. Was that your first takeaway as you watched him win his third Super Bowl? <laughs> no, I my first takeaway is like, yes, he, he's the GOAT. He's Kermit the GOAT. I'm calling him Kermit the GOAT. He sounds like Kermit. Not ready to put him there with Brady, but he's climbing up the rankings, and he does so. I mentioned this with Simmons. He does so with such distractions that I don't think a lot of quarterbacks have. Okay, you got the wife. You got the brother. You got the father. You got Jake from State Farm always effing <laughs> with him. Like They don't make it easy for him to stay focused, and all he does is keep winning, and he is absolutely in never bet against territory. Will Fandle and the odds makers ever make him an underdog in the Super Bowl or a playoff game again, whether it's home or away? I think they'd be foolish to do so. Yeah, and he said after the game that they are never underdogs when you're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, and he passed Manning, Elway, and Bradshaw for third most QB playoff wins in NFL history. Now has 15. Montana's there at 16. Brady at 35. So uh, Pat Mahomes is in rarefied air right now as a quarterback. Let's talk about his head coach because after the game, Pat Mahomes said about his head coach, Andy Reid, quote, I believe he's the best coach of all time, end quote. Sal, what say you? Do you agree with Pat Mahomes? Well, I don't know about best of all time, and I was, I'm was i an Andy Reid fan, but I was annoyed about the how about them Chiefs uh, comment, right? Like, mm. Andy Reid's record off a bye coming up with great inspirational chants sucks. Let's just remember that going in. Um, but listen, I, I, I really thought he did a great job. You got his record, two weeks to prepare. I don't care that he's stealing from Jimmy Johnson, inspirational quote-wise. He's one of the greats. He's challenging Belichick, and he's challenging Joey Chestnut at the same time. Remarkable. Yeah, and there was and there was a lot of people after the game that were or wondering before the game, I guess, what would happen after the game. Would Travis Kelsey say he's going to retire? Would Andy Reid retire? Uh, Clark Hunt, the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, in case you didn't see him get the trophy first, he said, quote, I expect Andy to be back next year as we go for the three-peat. Um, are you expecting Andy Reid to be back to be the head coach of this football team? I think so. Why not? What is he, 65, 67 years old? So, yeah, you know, by coaches' standards, some of these guys, you, you saw Carroll st- stayed around forever. Uh, you see Belichick still looking for a job. And I think, what is he, 15, 19 wins away from Belichick? He could catch him. If Belichick's on the sideline long enough or ends up with a team that's only going to win three games a year, well, you're staring at this double-digit win monster in the Chiefs every year, he could catch up in, before he's 70 years old. 
And it was also incredible to see that Andy Reid basically ran the exact same play that he did last year against the Eagles on the goal line, the game-winning yeah. play, the exact same formation. And and basically, you know, it's not a pick play, but to, to get the motion, to get guys confused on the back end and gets an easy touchdown to McCall Hardman. So good, in fact, Sal, that Hardman didn't even know that he had won the Super Bowl. Um, what were your thoughts when you saw him kind of have <laughs> a very, like, uh, chill reaction to winning the Super Bowl? That is pretty cool. I think he's still under a trance from that uh, illusionist on Hard Knocks uh, yeah. a couple teams ago, uh, early in uh, August. But McCole Hardman on Jimmy Kimmel Live. I hope you saw it Monday night. So maybe we'll get some answers. Maybe Jimmy put him to the test. I don't want to yeah, ruin it. Yeah, I don't want to ruin it either. I uh, I did see some people saying at the start of the year, if you said McCole Hardman you know, scores a game-winning touchdown to win the Super Bowl, everyone would have thought Aaron Rodgers' prophecy came to be after you watch Hard Knocks. But uh turns yeah. out that was not the case. A big addition to get Hardman back on that team. Uh, we've talked about the winners. The winners get the spoils. Now let's talk about the other side of the coin. Kyle Shanahan after this game, Sal. Three really brutal losses in the Super Bowl. One as a coordinator, two as a head coach now. He said, quote, there's no right words right now. It just hurts. Um, what are your thoughts on Kyle Shanahan? I know you and BS talked about this a little bit. It's rough, man. You're right. Three double-digit Super Bowl leads blown. It's got to make Marv Levy look good. At least he was never in two of those Super Bowls, right? So to be winning like that and to not close the door is rough. I will say I'm going to give him a little little slack on the overtime stuff. I really am. I don't, you know, listen, I'm not going to kill him. It's, it's classic second-guessing here. If you score seven, it puts all the pressure on the Chiefs to score seven. Plus, your play, I don't know what the defense is like. You had to think the Chiefs' defense was gassed. So why would you give them a little break there and get the ball second? So I can go either way, right? I see, sure, the Chiefs know uh, if they need to go on fourth down or not, knowing if they're down three or six or seven or eight. Sure, it's in that regard. But that's not why I kill Shanahan. You know, they scored 22 points in five quarters. Maybe they could have done better in that regard. But the overtime thing, I'm going to give them a little pass. Yeah, I'm going to give him a pass as well. And it also sounds like based on what the Chiefs were saying, Andy Reid specifically, that they were going to go for two, uh, mm-hmm. even if the Niners did score a touchdown. So regardless, Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey were going to go for two and go for the kill, go for the win. So, And uh, by the I, way, that would have been the greatest play we've ever seen, right? That two-point <laughs> conversion from the right. Chiefs to end the Super Bowl. He would have, Mahomes probably would have started back in his own end zone and somehow put, uh, converted. Yeah, and then everybody would have still been in the results-based business of he made the wrong choice on the coin toss. So that's just the world that we live in. And uh, speaking of the world we live in, Brock Purdy uh, in this game, 23 of 38, 255 yards, one passing touchdown, no interceptions in this game. Um, Is Brock Purdy to blame for the fact that they were not able to get over the hump here? Or did you feel like Brock Purdy played well enough to get his team in position to win this game? Um, he exceeded, that was my big prop that lost player prop. I thought he was for sure going to throw an interception. It was like minus 125. He's going to have some butterflies in the game. We saw in the playoffs, you know, in the first half, he had a you know tough time getting going. I thought he's going to throw four or five interceptable passes, and they were going to come down with one. He only really threw one, and that was in overtime in that first drive. I think it was first down. In fact, I thought it was actually corralled, and uh, I was going to win there. But he did a good job. He, you know, he put up numbers that typically win Super Bowls, right? So he did okay. The weird thing is there's a slim margin between being excellent and far exceeding your potential and getting released by a team. Honestly, if he had lost to the Lions or lost to the Packers, I bet the 49ers are still thinking about what they're doing with their quarterback in the future. So it's very weird. And I worry that this, in a way, was going to be as easy as it gets for him. You know, you have Jordan Love, you have some other quarterbacks. You know, if you're going to rank the quarterbacks just in the NFC North, it's tough. Uh, you know, it's tough 
he's right there. He's right there with the other three. I know right. he's in the West, but you know, he's probably a top 10 quarterback right now, but right there and not better. I don't think. Yeah. And then that one pass that you talked about in overtime, I mean, it hit Debo yeah. in the hands. Uh, I mean, it, it was not a bad pass by any means. It just gets kind right. of bobbled That's up true. and it almost goes bad. But now we get to do my favorite game. My oh. favorite thing, Sal, let's play my favorite game. Are you ready? Are you ready for some over under reactions? I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> this been... will Get me out of my depression. Go ahead. Yeah, it's been too long. Let's start here. Uh, at worst, Sal, Pat Mahomes is the second greatest quarterback in an NFL history. Is that an over or underreaction? Mm, I think it's an underreaction. I think it's mm. at worst and at best because I'm not putting him ahead of Brady. I am putting him ahead of Montana. I might have had him over Montana going into this anyway, but I think this solidifies it. The question is for Montana is, you know, Montana was 4-0. Great. So Mahomes is not going to be 4-0 in the Super Bowl. It's just not going to happen with that loss to Tampa Bay. But I think he's doing more with less. If you look it up, Montana played with six Hall of Famers. What does Mahomes have, two or three alongside? Um, so, and aside from all that, Mahomes is just so much more fun to watch, right? So if you, that has to be counted in the greatness. And the other thing I'll add to it is Joe Montana ate dinner right behind us at Mr. Chow's. Oh, wow. Producer Jack was there. Mikey Meatballs was there. I was unimpressed with his eating, you know, oh. beef and broccoli. He put it down in a ho-hum fashion. He skipped out on the spare rib. So I go Mahomes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Joe Cool taking some shots there. But uh, right. I like that. Uh, Joe Damon, 4-0, and but 3-1 uh, and one looks a little bit better. More aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, Joe okay. Montana. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Next one, Sal. No Super Bowl will ever have a broader appeal than Super Bowl 58. A lot of people invested this game outside of the game of football. Shout out to all the Taylor Swift fans. Over or under reaction? I mean, I think that's, that is it. It's a shout out to Taylor Swift and the biggest star in the world. It's an underreaction. I don't see how we could reach this unless Beyonce starts dating CJ Stroud next year or something. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a competitor, but I don't see it. I mean, it got my wife to watch. It got all my wife's friends to watch. And, you know, most of my wife's friends are over 16 years old. So I'm not even <laughs> accounting for the other sector of the population. I don't know if it gets better or more intriguing than this. Yeah, I think it was completely locked in. A lot of celebrities at the game in general. And then, you know, there, there's the whole Usher hive as well. A lot of people are very excited to see That's Usher right. and perform. Yeah, so a lot of cultural impact in this game. Next one, Sal. Travis Kelsey would have been benched by Bill Belichick if he had bumped uh, Belichick on the sideline as he did with Andy Reid. Uh, over or underreaction there? I think it's an underreaction. I think he would have actually benched him. Me too. Do we ever even learn why he benched Malcolm Butler? That one year? I don't, no. I don't even think we ever figured it I, out. He, so. he quote-unquote broke team rules, whatever that means. Yeah, I think this is go. breaking team rules. Probably a team <laughs> rule in there about bumping your uh, your head coach. But And you know what? He would have benched Kelsey, and they would have won. They would have somehow won the game. It would have been because of uh, uh, Tom Brady. But uh, I, I really feel like he would have benched any player who bumped him uh, intentionally, except maybe for Aaron Hernandez. He's no idiot. Yeah, he's not going to do that. Uh, next one, Sal. Super Bowl props have officially jumped the shark. Obviously, everyone was waiting for the Gatorade dump to happen. Purple Gatorade. Yeah. Shout out to the betters out there. Uh, over or under reaction have they officially jumped the shark? I think it's an underreaction. I love all the props, and I love having access to them, and I'll lose every time I bet them. But uh, let's just take a couple, for instance. Reba McIntyre and the uh, Star Spangled Banner. You know, it went over. It was right on the cusp of the over, under, and then she hits Brave, and then she hits the restart on Brave. So you don't know where to judge it. And then the, by that time, the fighter jets are going over, so you've lost all sense of audio uh, where that is. So that's tough to measure. The Gatorade, I don't know. I marked it down as no Gatorade because it happened a few minutes it happened really late actually right like andy reed was about to set up his interviews and that's when they got him with the purple 
Gatorade, which sucks, by the way. It's the worst flavor. Um, yeah. I, I just don't know how long they have. Like, can they get him in March if when he's uh, in a hammock taking a snooze in Cabo? In Cabo? Uh, is that too late for the Gatorade dump, or does it have to be immediate? I'm not sure. I, I think they've won too much. They forgot the Gatorade dump, and right. I think that's a, the perfect sign that they have won too many games. So maybe the Kansas City Chiefs can give some people some other chances to win. I do want to shout out a prop from FanDuel, our friends at FanDuel. Obviously, we're on FanDuel TV, but I took uh, the Chiefs to win the coin toss and the game plus 320, Sal. My only How bet in this game. How did you know? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. The conspiracy theorists say that that coin toss is rigged, and I, I it's hard for me to disagree. Yeah, I mean, as long as we don't have Trump out there tossing the coin as he did in the Army-Navy game, I think we'll be all right. Uh, next one, Sal. The Super Bowl should be played in Las Vegas every single year over or under reaction. Well, you know, if I have to work the week leading up in Vegas, uh, uh, then I would say no, I don't like the idea because I'll probably only see like three more Super Bowls. It's uh, it's grinding, but uh, I had a great time. But yes, of course, of course, it should be in Vegas. Goodell ran from from the longest time, wouldn't put a team there, wouldn't let you gamble on it. Well, guess what? This is the gambling capital world hosting the biggest gambling event of the year. Yes, it should be out there for sure. Have Carrot Top flip the coin. Carrot Top is jacked, by the way. He could flip that thing uh, 150 yards in the air. We could wait uh, an hour and a half for it to fall down. Let's get some magic shows for halftime. Whatever you need to do, it needs to be in Vegas. Yeah, shout out to Carrot Top. I saw him more than I've seen him in about 10 years uh, <laughs> since the roast, I think, of Alec Baldwin or whatever roast he was on. So, uh, right. you know, sh shout out to Jeff Ross and the roast team there. Last one, Sal. Rob Gronkowski going 0 for 2 on the kick of destiny. Damage his Hall of Fame legacy over or under reaction. Um, I think it's an overreaction with the Hall of Fame legacy, but, it, you know, he is basically Scott Norwood now. You can only count on it, you know. I, I think he's getting mad. Uh, but on the other <laughs> hand, I don't know what the training is for him. Is he? It's probably out all night drinking, so I'm not sure if we got the right guy for him. But it would be funny to keep it going for many, many years and see a 63-year-old Rob Gronkowski still trying to split the uprights. Yeah, I like every single time that, uh, you know, going into the game, they kept bringing up that he has to hit it this year. You know what I mean? He didn't hit it last year. He has to hit it this year. And they just keep kicking the can for the next 30 years. They're like, he's got to hit it this year. He didn't hit it the last 29 years, but he's got to hit it this year. Right. So I, I think that's a good one. So uh, there, there you have it. Over under reaction is my favorite game. Now let's call the captain because we're going to do the Riverboat question of the week. And this week, oh. captain is going to be Captain Hindsight. Uh, we're going to look back at some of our uh, over-under reaction takes during the season. So let's look back. What's the Captain Hindsight highlight of the year? First up, best odds, we got Josh Dobbs, the most likable quarterback at 3-1. to one. We got Big Dom being the biggest NFL celebrity at 5-1. to one. We got Arthur Smith should be the coach of the year, 10-1. to one. <laughs> Tommy DeVito and his agents 15 minutes are up at 20 to 1 or the field at even odds. What say you, Cousin Sal, and to Captain Hindsight? Interesting. These are all takes that we had in your favorite game over on the reaction, right? right? And we're a lot, a lot of reactions. Them. Yes, what makes us look most foolish here? Uh, I think, well, you forgot. I would take field and say when you thought that Bryce Young would be the offensive rookie of the year, the MVP, Ooh. and somehow comeback player of the year. I don't know. You fell short on all those. Yeah, that was I'm tough. Gonna, I'm going to take, because uh, firsthand, Tommy DeVito. I would say I thought the 15 minutes were up. Then I saw him on Radio Row. He's selling books, uh, of which I don't know even know if he wrote them. I think he's just books that he owns that he's selling. And I put him to the test. I asked him 15 Italian restaurants in 30 seconds. And by the fourth or fifth one, he got stumped and named uh, the Olive Garden. He really yeah. could have said any Italian first name, and he would have been fine. So I uh, discredited his list, and I discredited him as being an Italian-American. So there you go. 
I think it's great. Now. 20 to 1 odds is a great one. I'm going to take that as well. I had some half Italians reach out to me in my life that were very upset that Olive Garden was number four <laughs> on the board. So I, I think that was a tough one, Sal. And uh, I think there's great value there at 20 to 1. We, we appreciate everyone that was a part of all of our over and under reactions throughout the year. We're right. going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're not going to do line lookaheads. We're going to do some track to the future. We'll be right oh. back. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're here with Cousin Sal. And typically, Sal, when, when I bring you back from break, we talk about line look-aheads. But uh, mm -hmm. unfortunately, there are no lines to look ahead at when it comes to the NFL. I mean, is that kind of washed over you at this point? Is this real that there are no football games now? Well, there is a UFL. We could do Birmingham mm. Stallions against the um, Seattle Sea Monkeys. I don't, I don't know who's playing. <laughs> I really don't. But we, oh, there's no preseason Lions or the Hall of Fame game? Nothing? All right, we'll do futures. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, let's do a track to the future here, and uh, let's start looking at 2025 Super Bowl odds because right now the favorites are the, the San Francisco 49ers, which is pretty shocking to me, plus 450. The Chiefs opened up at plus 750. Now they're down to plus 650. Baltimore, plus 900. Detroit, plus 1,200. And Buffalo, plus 1,200. Do, do you have a feeling, Sal? Do you think the three-peat is possible? I just want to analyze this for a second. The, not, the reason we saw the Chiefs were better than the Niners, right? Or, okay, whatever. If you want to say they're the same. So why would you have the Niners at plus 450 and the Chiefs at plus 750 when you know it's a coin flip anyway and the coin is flipping to the Patrick Mahomes side? It seems more often than not. I think they still think, Fandle still thinks the NFC is weak. So mm. I'm not sure about that. This might have been the 49ers year to do it and they didn't get it done. But as far as this goes, I'm still staying with the Chiefs at plus 750. Now, you might call that recency bias, but you might also call recency bias last year when I said take the Chiefs at plus 650 and they won the Super Bowl because I really think that is as good a bet as any to be around at least by the third week in January, which will allow you to hedge. Now, this year, they had a bunch of road games, so you can get them at, as our friend Raheem Palmer did, at 10 to 1 before the season started. I'm sorry, before the playoffs started. So uh, you weren't getting much value in those odds. But right now, plus 750 is the way I would go with the Chiefs. Well, speaking of Chiefs, Sal, you can get them, like we said, at plus 750. If you're looking at the MVP for 2025, Pat Mahomes is the favorite at plus 650. You got Josh Allen, plus 800. Joe Burrow, plus 1,000. C.J. Stroud, pretty shocking there, plus 1,100. And then Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP, at plus 1,200. Is there somebody that tickles your fancy when you look at this group of MVP Ooh, candidates, Ooh, tickles my fancy. Well, I like yeah. the Chiefs bet better than I do Mahomes, although I'll probably have some on both because Mahomes is showing that he has to do less 
to get them to the top, right? To the promised land. So he might even, they who knows, they could even lose a division one of these years. And he's shown that he could do it on the road in the playoffs. But by that time, you've already made your vote for regular season MVP. So uh, that's why I wouldn't go Mahomes necessarily. Uh, back up the truck on that. But I do like Burrow at 15-1. to 1. I don't think you mentioned him. He could break out, have a crazy year. He could win comeback player of the year. You might want to divide your money that way. I know there's a lot to work with now still with the wide receivers. Higgins not signed. Chase might take all the money. But I expect Burrow to step up and uh, have a big year. I mean, is it pretty shocking? I mean, maybe it's just kind of common knowledge at this point, but every single top 10 guy that's in, according to the odds for MVP next year is a quarterback. I mean, it is Mm -hmm. completely a quarterback decision at this point. I mean, should we just call it the most outstanding quarterback award instead of the MVP? Listen, they're not changing the voters, right? It's the same 50 voters, maybe one or two change per year. I don't even think it's that many, but we saw this year was 49 for Lamar Jackson and one for Josh Allen, and you could talk about McCaffrey till the, the, the cows come home, and you can talk about Tyreek Hill, but those guys just aren't getting votes. It is an MVP is a quarterback award. Yeah, it's uh, it's officially that time. So if you have a quarterback and he's a good player and uh, he can get the, the media behind him and the narratives behind him, uh, the rest is history. You can win MVP, and now Lamar Jackson, uh, two, two-time MVP right now mm-hmm. in the NFL, uh, let's talk about some guys in the draft. One guy in particular, your guy, uh, team to draft Michael Penix Jr. We saw him play in the national championship game. If you look at the odds, Atlanta is the favorite at plus 430. Seattle obviously played in the PNW at plus 470. Minnesota plus 480. Las Vegas plus 480 as well. Sal, what did you learn uh, You know, playing a little pitch and catch with Michael Penix down there in uh, Las Vegas? Yes, I ran into him on Radio Row. Swell guy. The guy's addicted to starry soda. I don't know if you've had this. <laughs> So this is this lemon lime um, yeah i saw i spice was was getting everybody to drink oh it. Yeah. yeah so i spice <laughs> and michael Penix, and then i had him throw me a pass you know i went right. deep i went about 25 30 yards and listen he's a sweetheart of a guy but if you're gonna draft him you gotta have good pass catchers you have to i mean right. i was able to circle down look at the lights you know and circle under it you know we're in, inside a convention center there's no elements there's no wind but Somehow I was able to get under his pass. You're going to have to have good pass catchers, is what I'm saying. I don't know if Kyle Pitts is going to do the job. I, on the other hand, I know we have footage here. Look at me catching that ball. Yeah. Uh, different story. But good good luck to Michael Penix. Yeah, can we run that back one more time? Look at this athleticism here from Sal. <laughs> I mean, just speed off the line. I mean, you look like Steve Smith out there. Uh, shout out to my former Carolina Panther uh, wide receiver. But, Which uh, one, that... junior? Senior? <laughs> senior. Senior, yeah, I'll not junior. <laughs> yeah, that's great. We talked about football. Now we got to figure out the other sports we're going to talk about. Let's talk All about right. basketball. Uh, I know Sal gets upset about uh, the NBA holes in this world, but uh, we're going to look at <laughs> NBA MVP here. Nikola Jokic is the favorite, Sal. Minus 140. SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander there at plus 270. Giannis plus 650. Luka plus 1,000. And then it kind of tapers off from there. Is it a foregone conclusion that Jokic is the MVP again, Sal? Maybe not because of that logjam in the West, right? There's four teams separated by a half a game. So it might be that, you know, whoever's playing for the team in the one seed or the two seed spot is going to get that. So, uh... Uh, shout out to our sports guy, our boss there, Bill Simmons, who told us probably two months ago, it's like, SGA's numbers are too big. 10 to 1's crazy. And he's right, at least value-wise, it went all the way down to plus 270. I have money on Giannis and Tatum from the beginning of the year, so don't worry about not that Tatum is anywhere to be seen. Uh, but uh, scratch off Giannis because he's not going to win because I have them. Um, is there Jokic fatigue for the voters? That's what I'm thinking right here. I know Embiid won last year. Jokic won the two years before that. I'm not sure. Minus 140, 
you can't go wrong with Jokic, but I don't think there's any value there in taking him right there. So I would take SGA. I like SGA there. And uh, if you could get him at 10 to 1, as Bill said back in the day, yeah. that would be a great value. Uh, speaking of BS, he was texting me this weekend about women's college basketball. He is locked oh. in. He is locked in on Caitlin Clark's pursuit of the scoring record in women's college basketball. Right now, she is looking to get there. Uh, it is 3,528 points. That is the number. And now, FanDuel has some props there. How is she going to break this record? She's only eight points away, almost broke it on Sunday. Uh, mm. But, you know, the, the odds here three point field goal, minus 120. 20 layup plus 145 free throw plus 850 other plus 1400 is there some value here Sal and taking on how she's going to break the record I don't know if there's some value but she's cold-blooded and I think she's going to want it to be a three and she's going to make sure it's a three and at minus 120 that's the pick she might even miss a free throw or a layup Tate just so that she can make it happen on a three she's 40 percent from behind the arc and she gets 5.2 threes per game so this isn't one like an nba guy who gets like two or three and is still a good shooter um caitlin clark five three-pointers a game one of them is going to break the record thursday i'm right there with you i'm gonna go uh, just for value's sake i say she hits a three sal but she gets fouled and she goes to the free throw line oh, and she and wow. it's seven points and then she makes the free throw for the four point play and you get it at plus 850 so uh wow. you know i've seen her get fouled and make a lot of threes so I, if there's I something i know about yeah, unbelievable. that's what i'm working on uh so caitlin <laughs> clark uh hopefully she'll do that this week against michigan on thursday last one as far as our futures men's college basketball i talked about it at the top of the show march madness right around the corner we're getting in the stretch run of the season looking at the odds UConn is the favorites right now at plus 650 mm. Purdue actually has the same odds at plus 650 Houston plus 900 then you got Arizona plus 1200 uh, Tennessee plus 1200 then my North Carolina Tar Heels at plus 1700 Sal is there anyone that you're leaning into could UConn be the first repeat since Florida back with Billy Donovan I guess they could but that would upset me because mm-hmm. I have their rival Marquette and they play Saturday this week so that'll be fun but Marquette has won seven in a row right? They've uh, vaulted back into the top five. They're at 25 to one. I had taken them before the year. I'm going to stick with them. You like that Tyler Kolek, right? He was a Big East player of the week. uh, And he's probably going to be the Big East player of the year. Let's face it. So I like them again. They're on fire here. Seven in a row. Big showdown against UConn on Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. And UConn, I mean, they look like an unstoppable force. If they're healthy in the tournament, they're going to be tough to beat. They won every game last year in the tournament by double digits. Until until you see them get in a close game, it's really hard to uh, bet against that team. But Arizona's another team to keep an eye on as well. I will never bet on them after last year when they lost to Princeton and, and that whole yeah. situation. But, uh, you know, for anybody else out there that wants to take a chance <laughs> on the Wildcats, go for it. Uh, Sal, one last thing. Let's do the Tate debate. Last right. one. Uh, that we got going as far as NFL is related. Uh, I got a simple one. The NFL has the worst overtime rules. Uh, do you agree with that, Sal? Do you think hmm. that's the case? I actually think ping pong. You haven't seen these ping pong tournaments <laughs> in China, the overtime rules. But if it's, a game is tied, what they do is they smack each other in the face with the panel until, oh, wow. someone, uh, until someone dies. It's a little slap fight. Sad. Wow. Oh, my yeah, God. It's a slap fight with, uh, <laughs> with wooden paddles. Um, NFL is I don't think it's the worst, and it's actually gotten better. Let's let's remember, it's only a few years ago where, who was it, James White took the touchdown for the Patriots and the Falcons on top of blowing the 28-3 lead, didn't even get to see the ball in overtime. Their exhausted defense had to just lay back and take their uh, punishment right there. So I think that sucked. I think we're a step in the right direction with this. Like, I don't think anything went wrong with Sunday's result, right? The Niners had the ball. The Chiefs had the ball. One possession each, took almost the whole quarter, and uh, the Chiefs had more points. So uh, I feel like you disagree. 
Yeah, I think it was the best version of overtime this time around, but the confusion around it is always just yeah. annoying. I mean, it happens in college football as well, but this with the clock running, right? There were people confused about the clock running. Should they be mm-hmm. stopping the clock and all that sort of stuff? So that was the part that got me talking about overtime. I think personally my worst and least favorite uh, overtime would be if you were in the U.S. Open and you're tied on Sunday, you have to play a whole nother 18 holes, one-on-one against another guy. We saw that with Tiger Woods back in 08 against Rocco Mediate, and I think uh, that would be the yeah. worst overtime to have to play a whole nother around and do the whole thing again after all the the mental you know that goes into uh the four rounds before but those yeah, are just that, my that's, thoughts i agree anytime you're asked for a change of underwear for the next day <laughs> i think that's bad that's a little yeah. intrusive yeah it's a little too much uh sal where can we find all your amazing work here at the ringer and then we'll let you go enjoy your tuesday against all odds podcast twice a week and cousin sal's winning weekend right here on fandle tv on friday I love it. Sal, you're the best. I hope you can enjoy your wellness week. You deserve it. And, uh, you know, have some have some downtime. Uh, Coming up right after the break, we're going to have the Ringer's very own Danny Kelly join the show. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. Joining us now, you know him from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, and he's breaking down the Ringer NFL draft at the highest level. He's the great Danny Kelly. Danny, great to see you, man. You too. How are you doing? I'm good. I uh, The Super Bowl just happened. I know you and I were locked yeah. in on that game, and uh, I do want to start there because everybody's got to get their takes out. You know, this is the world that we live in. Danny Kelly, yeah. what was your biggest takeaway? We'll, we'll start there from the Super Bowl. Is there something that after this game, after it's washed over you, you're like, this is still sticking with me? Uh. Bagnolo, just off our defensive right. genius. I don't know. The, the yeah. defense really stood out in this game. Obviously, Mahomes, you know, what, what else can we say about Mahomes at this point? He's incredible. He's one of the greatest ever, probably the second best at this point already. And he's in his 20s still. Um, Crazy. But yeah, the defense on both sides of the ball, really impressive. Everybody was flying around. Obviously, the Chiefs came out and were blitzing the, the crap out of the football in the second half there late in the game. So that was just a lot of fun to watch. But uh, obviously, everyone's talking about. Uh, Mahomes and his greatness and his inevitability but the defense was incredible too yeah and the kickers are great as well and it, it's kind yeah, of funny yeah. like Tony Romo is probably the worst person to have a game that's built on defense and kicking you know what I mean like these <laughs> right. are the two things that he does not want to talk about um, but you know as we got in the second half it became a great game and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs do we think they could get a three-peat Danny Kelly I think that's the next conversation like do we feel good yeah. about the fact that they could be the first one to ever do it I mean, I think so. It's definitely possible. They uh, they have a young defense. They have only like they can only go up at this point in terms of like their receiving core, the weapons that they have around Mahomes um, on offense. So obviously, if they could get, keep that defense together for the most part, 
and maybe just add some league average receivers to that to that group, then <laughs> they could be really cooking again next year. And of course, you still have like Mahomes is inevitable. He is just he's just the most inevitable player we've seen since Tom Brady, honestly. And so, um, yeah, absolutely, they could they could three peat. Yeah, you see a lot of people calling him Michael Jordan uh, 2.0, which, uh, you know, we, we had that with Bryce Young. People were calling him Steph Curry, so it gives yeah. me a little bit of optimism as a Carolina <laughs> Panthers guy. Anytime sure. you get the basketball crossover comparisons, and now you got people talking about Mahomes, Brady, LeBron, Jordan. We got like a nice little uh, quartet of a GOAT conversation <laughs> that is happening in the NFL. Um, and that leads us to our next conversation, Danny Kelly, because we want to talk about the future. Everybody loves the promise of prospects. You were down in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. I want to talk about some of your standouts down there. But first and foremost, yeah. like what did, what did what was the vibe down at the Senior Bowl? How was, how was it being down in Mobile, and what did you really take away from being there? Um, it was a lot of fun, actually. And this year we were blessed with good weather. It's it kind of variable here and there in Alabama yeah. in January. And, and we got three days of really nice sun at the practices that I went to. Um, the vibes were good. They had juniors this year in the Senior Bowl. So they're kind of expanding, you know, the invite list a little bit here. We've got guys, you got like six-year seniors and, and all the way down the line to, to juniors. And so you kind of got the whole spectrum of players. But it was, it was a really, really good roster on both sides of the ball some good quarterbacks it was kind of nice because usually the top tier quarterbacks in the draft won't really go to the to the com or go to mobile just because they are kind of locked into the top 10 or whatever but we had uh bo nicks we had michael Penix. you know we had some really interesting guys uh throwing the football around so that was a lot of fun yeah, and I uh, I think I was going to add, my follow-up was going to be, do we change the name since there are juniors there and you got guys that are 25, year old, 20, yeah. 25 years old down there playing in the Senior Bowl. But uh, <laughs> let's start with one of the standouts here. Roman Wilson, um, mm -hmm. you saw him in person. What were your thoughts, you know, seeing him? Was this your first time seeing him in person? Yeah, it was my first time live. I, I, coming into the, to the Senior Bowl, I was pretty excited about watching what he could do mm. um, just because, you know, he was on a, a very run-heavy sort of low volume passing offense with Michigan but he was always making plays you know he, he just looked really impressive I think he boosted his stock a bunch probably from you know like a, a third round type player I think in a lot of people's eyes to a clear-cut second rounder who maybe could even sneak into the first I'm seeing him in some first round mocks already so um you know he was a big time winner there yeah, he got a big bump from the Rose Bowl, I feel like. A lot of people, after watching him there, kind of fell in love with him. So the receiver, there you go. We had the top receiver, Roman Wilson, out of Michigan, national champ. We'd love to see that. Another name that you know if you've been following college football for a few years, obviously Spencer Radler, who at yeah. one time was a Heisman favorite for uh, Oklahoma, I believe, and then he transferred yeah. to South Carolina. Um, you saw Radler down there. I've been he hearing people talking about him climbing up draft boards. Did he stand out down in Mobile, Alabama? Yeah, I think he, you know, I, he's another guy that probably made himself some money in terms of just like impressing. He, he I, you know, he's not a very big guy. He's six foot even. And so mm. um, that's kind of a red flag, of course. But he, I think he weighed in like 217. So he's built really well, kind of like the Kyler thick build. You know, obviously he had his ups and downs in his college career. But there was a point in time when he was looked at and a lot of people thought he might come out the next season and be like the top overall pick. And then he got benched right. for Caleb Williams at one point. So. Um, obviously his college career kind of took twists and turns but he still has physical talent he has a really good arm I think is like the big thing and so um, obviously some teams are gonna you know take a take a gamble on a guy like that yeah he's a guy that honestly has now become underrated uh, after once yeah. upon a time being overrated so that's always uh, that's Bill Simmons <laughs> favorite game overrated underrated properly rated yeah. a guy that is very highly rated and thought of Ray Davis running back out of Kentucky you saw him in person would you say he was the number one running back that you saw down in Mobile I think it would go down to Ray Davis and Marshawn Lloyd from USC as the two most impressive running backs of the group. Um, 
Davis in particular is just a fun one because I think he weighed in at like 5'8", 220 something. So he's built like a fire hydrant, like a little beer keg. Just, you know, rotund but explosive. You know, he, he actually uh, impressed me a little bit in the passing game as well, which is, I think, important, of course, in the modern NFL. Um, and so him and him and Marshawn Lloyd from USC were, to me, the two running backs that kind of impressed the most. It's hard to, it's hard to make your – like really stand out at the running back spot during these practices because there's no actual tackling um mm. but you can see the burst you can see the explosiveness you can see the juice as a runner um and so those two guys in particular to me were the most impressive at running back were there any other guys outside of this group that we talked about that kind of stood out to you that you saw and you said uh they're they're quote-unquote moving up the board in my mind uh yeah. it, like lad mcconkey might be a name out of georgia right yeah, he was another guy to like him and Roman Wilson to me would sort of be the one two punch at the receiver position this week or that week. And, and obviously, um, you know, McConkey again, he's small and this is the same problem that Roman Wilson has. Like both of these guys are not very big and they're probably going to be primarily slot type players at the next level. You know, Lab McConkey played on the outside for Georgia, but I went in thinking. This guy's name is Lad McConkey. I don't think I'm going to like this guy. And then I really, really liked him. It's Sometimes just, that's how they get you. You know what I mean? They, they draw you right in. Yeah, the cartoonish <laughs> name is is like, oh, God, this guy's probably just, you know, he's hyped up because he's got a funny name. But, like, he is the real deal to, my, to, to me. I think he's a really good player. One of the most explosive in the short area receivers in college football, honestly. Um, mm. So, you know, he's definitely a name to watch. I think, he, again, he's probably going to be a second rounder just because he doesn't have the size you really see um for you know like the elite top top tier first round receivers but really good route runner really good you know hands he's he's a whole package in that sense obviously everybody's talking about the quarterbacks at the top caleb williams drake may um you know everyone's trying to figure out who's going to go one two three figuring out that whole thing but i want to talk about a ucla edge rusher that you said quote shades of john claude van damme and i'll just <laughs> let you go from there yeah so the thing about leatu latu from ucla great is name he is incredibly incredibly effective with his hands like he he never stops chopping swiping you know punching throughout the whole rush he is basically just he looks like john claude van damme out there when i just was watching Bloodsport the other day and his, like you know the scene where he's got like the blindfold on he's yeah. just he, he can like anticipate everything that the offensive lineman does and he uses like hand swipes and punches and different moves to to keep them off his body and that's important because you know he doesn't have great length um, for an edge rusher, but he's just so good with his hands, so good at, um, you know, using those pass rush moves, and he has a plan, and he kind of builds off the initial rush, and then he kind of, like, does these ghost moves and goes inside and outside. He just never stops moving. He has a really high motor. I'm super high on him. Yeah, six foot five, 267 pounds, number six on your big board, like you said. I'm looking at your top five of your big board. You got Caleb Williams out of USC, Drake May out of North Carolina, Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers, and Malik Neighbors there, uh, the LSU wide receiver. Do you feel like that is going to be the top five that gets drafted in that order, or is that just the way that you view these these guys as your top five? Uh, yeah, it's the, the Brock Bowers one, I think, is where you kind of start to wonder if it's going to happen. I think he's got the talent, and like in terms of pure prospects, he's, he's one of the top five, top six players in the draft. But, um, you know, the tight end position is not generally – thought of as a premium position he's kind of a tweener because he's he's sort of a undersized for a tight end so he fits into that um you know pass catching tight end mold but i think he is for sure in my mind one of the top you know six or seven players in the draft talent wise 
Yeah, I like that. And also, you just watch a tight end kind of dominate there at the highest level with Travis Kelsey. And, uh, you know, totally. we've seen it before with Gronkowski. So it's a good position to dominate it at. Arcade Danny Kelly, one last thing on the draft stuff. And then we're going to take a quick break. One bold prediction. I love doing this with all of our, uh, you know, ringer draft guys. One bold prediction for the NFL draft this year, if you have one. So I'm going to go with five plus quarterbacks in the first round. I think so after last year, it could go anyway because, you know, obviously I think most people expected Will Levis to be drafted in the first round. It didn't happen. But um, with the way that the quarterback position went this year and the way the offenses overall went this year, I don't know. I just feel like the NFL teams are going to be a little bit more aggressive and going for quarterbacks this season. So, um, you know, whether that means J.J. McCarthy from Michigan, uh, Michael Penix, Bo Nix. Um, obviously right now I've got Caleb Williams, Drake May and Jane Daniels as like pretty much surefire first rounders. And then I think there's another three guys in Penix, Knicks and JJ McCarthy who could be first rounders, like sneak into the late first round and have a team kind of trade up and get that extra year because we've seen, you know, just the outsized impact that quarterback makes on the game. It's just so important, um, to get that guy. So you're going to have to see teams kind of like take that risk this year. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Kool-Aid McKinstry, but we don't have enough time for that. Maybe <laughs> next time we have, you, yeah. we, we, we have you here talking about the draft. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Seahawks and some actual NFL stuff that's happening in the league. We'll be right back with Danny Kelly. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions all apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're here with Danny Kelly. We just talked some draft stuff. Now let's talk about the actual football that's happening in the NFL right now, Danny Kelly. And an expertise for you because you're up there in the PNW. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the Seattle Seahawks. It's a new day in Seattle. No yep. more Pete Carroll. New era. Ryan Grubb now going to leave uh, Alabama to go be the off- offensive coordinator there in Seattle. Um, just your thoughts on kind of the the end of the Pete Carroll era and the start of a new era. What, what does it feel like? Is it pain? Is it excitement? Like, where are you right now? <laughs> I think the initial shock of Pete Carroll getting, you know, he wasn't technically fired, I think, but he was more or less fired. He was, he was forced out uh, by the team. Um, that that was definitely sort of a mourning period for me because he's been a huge part of, you know, Seattle football and Seattle culture, just Seattle in general for the last 14 years. He's been a huge, huge influence on so many people, not just because of what he did with the Seahawks, but just, you know, he's – the, the the philosophies that he is really strongly believed in in terms of always competing and um you know just giving it your all he's just relentlessly positive in, in everything that he does he's you know there's just so many things that he's influenced uh people in this region like the way that he talks the way that he messages all that stuff like he's been uh, you know obviously i've talked to a lot of people about this like he's been a huge influence on just people's lives like the way that they live so it's definitely um you know, it was, a, it was a shocking thing. He was crying in his in his outgoing press conference. He had an outgoing press conference after getting fired. Like the whole like the whole thing was very surreal. Um, you know what I mean? And and obviously it felt felt like 
you know, you're, it, it felt like, you know, somebody died almost. Obviously he's still with us, but, uh, it, it, it was definitely like, grieving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, was, it was just a very strange, uh, couple of days, but then, you know, you kind of get over it and you kind of think, I think a lot of Seahawks fans, if in their heart of hearts were probably like, you know, it wouldn't be so bad to have like a wholesale change here. And Mike McDonald is a guy and we had Nora on the show and she was talking about how he kind of his expertise is figuring out that Shanahan offense, right? That's like right. what he does. That's his thing. That's what he hangs his hat on. And he's 36 <laughs> yeah. years old, obviously has the energy to do it, bringing in young coordinators. So when you yeah. look at what Mike McDonald's kind of the identity of the Seahawks team, will it be similar to Pete Carroll in the culture of it all, but just different yeah. in the way they handle the West Coast offense? Oh, it'll, yeah, I think it'll be definitely similar in terms of you know they're gonna want to play physical. They're want they're gonna want to make other teams like feel you. You know, like you want to you want to beat up the opposing team. Like all that stuff. Like it's it's all it's the Harbaugh tree. It's almost the same as Carroll in terms of like some of the messaging they're talking about. Um, I think schematically it's just gonna look a little different. So now from my point of view, it's like really exciting that they're gonna solve a lot of problems schematically by confusing the hell out of opposing quarterbacks because they never know where pressure is coming from. They know all the answers to you know, what uh, opposing offenses are trying to do in any given situation. I think that's the big thing with McDonald. It's like he knows the rules of the opposing offense, and then he devises ways to, like, put those rules in bind and kind of, like, break those rules. And so, yeah, I, you know, obviously I don't know if it's necessarily – they don't have the talent that the Ravens had this last year, but um, just, you know, I'm excited to see how the that, sch that scheme works with the Seahawks' talent right now because I do think they have talent. Yeah, I do think there's a lot of talent there, especially on the defensive side of the football, which makes me ask, like, what is the kind of quarterback that, you know, McDonald probably needs? I know Geno's there. Drew Locke is there. Um, there's going to be a lot of people wondering if they do something in the draft. Uh, Michael Penix is out there, obviously played at Washington, has the PNW connection. But yeah. um, is, is there something where you're like, he almost needs a new regime, a new quarterback, or is Geno still the guy? I mean, to me, Geno's the guy. There's, there's a contingent of Seahawks fans who would disagree with me on that one, but they don't know ball. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But I, I really do like Gino. I think he's good enough to get the Seahawks where they want to be um, and, you know, competing for the division and, and getting into the playoffs. I, you know, obviously, I don't want to say they're a Super Bowl contender because that, that'd be a little bit much. But, yeah, I think he, they, he makes them playoff worthy. And so mm. get a couple pieces in there. Um, they got to shore up their offensive line a little bit, especially on the interior. Um, but, yeah, Gino to me definitely would be the ideal situation at quarterback. And then maybe – grab Michael Penix in the second round like that. I, I could see that for sure. They'd have to trade back because they don't have a second rounder, but um, you know, figure something out, get him in. They got his off. They got his offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb from UW last year. Uh, they go way back. And so it would make a lot of sense. Danny Kelly, one last thing, and then I'll let you get out of here and enjoy your Tuesday. Um, you're a fantasy football guy. We appreciate all your insights. Great show. You, Danny, Craig, uh, great times <laughs> together. Um, but what was the biggest lesson for fantasy football this year? I feel like every year at the end of the year, it's like everyone gets together and they're like, what do we learn uh, for fantasy football? So I wanted to ask you before I let you go. I think the, the one thing that I'll probably take away the strongest from this last year is to not uh, underestimate old guys go down the list there's just a whole bunch of really really high level um, fantasy superstars that were kind of old and people I think are always looking for the next big thing but um, you know a lot of times these guys are just so good and so entrenched in their role in the offense that they're really going to pay off in fantasy I love it trust the proven products that are out there Danny where can we find all your amazing work and we'll let you go enjoy your day uh, you can find me at TheRinger.com, obviously, and at on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, which now turns into the Ringer NFL Draft Show for the rest of the wow. draft season. Um, and then find me on Twitter at Danny B. Kelly. There you have it. Danny Kelly, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. We appreciate you. Of course. 
There you have it. Thanks to Cousin Sal. Thanks to Danny Kelly for coming on the show. As always, it has been a fun show. Great to have the football season wrapped up. Appreciate everybody tuning in to Through the Ringer throughout the whole gauntlet of the season. Appreciate your patience. Appreciate you uh, sticking with us as we put this show together for the first time this year. It's been a whole lot of fun. We'll be back next week, next Tuesday. Sal might be here, maybe not. We'll see. But again, we'll be back here at Through the Ringer next Tuesday, and we'll see you then. 